Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. That's the job of the government, is it not? But it's us that still go out, walk for lungs away, pay for all the taxes, pay for absolutely everything. I've not seen any guards. I've seen more parking enforcement officers than I've seen guards. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to not be myself. And there's nobody going to take that from me. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.com. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Oh, we had lots of people getting on to us yesterday wanting to help out with little Harry and his garden. And I'll come back to it because, as you know, we first heard from Kenneth, that's Harry's dad, back in April. They need to get a specialised garden for him. Artificial grass and all the protection that goes with it and we got the artificial grass but then we had a little bit of a problem getting it put down because Kenneth handy enough at DIY handy enough at construction he's worked on construction sites but does not know how to level out a garden for artificial grass so we got some help and we got more help than we thought so I think we can sort it out uh, for him uh, come back to that during the course of the morning we had lots of people ringing us yesterday to know did you get that garden sorted for that little boy so I think we're getting there we're getting very close good morning 0818 96 96 96 the number for anything that's on your mind I see where Ivana Bacic the leader of the Labour Party thinks that those of us who drive bigger cars should pay more tax including mums with three or four kids who are trying to put two or three car seats in the back and handle shopping and all those kind of things. So if Anabachi wants to tax you because you need a bigger car, because you happen to drive a bigger car because you've got a couple of smallies and a few car seats. Anna's not happy. Um, she was on to me overnight. I picked up her email this morning and nearly burnt my hands when I took it out of the printer, so I did. But you can see where she's coming from. And as someone who drives one of these so-called big gas guzzlers. I can tell you Ivana hasn't a notion what she's talking about. Not a clue. We will get to that. And something else. I, I, I twigged this up yesterday for you and we had a few in already. They did this chart. The business people did this chart to know what is the business phrase or the modern jargon that just grinds your gears. We did a little survey among Twitter users, 1.1 million Twitter users, said the one they want to kick to touch and never see again is going forward. 
poor old Michal Martin won't like that of course that's one of his favourite ones going forward um, other ones are no disrespect but if you say to someone no disrespect but you're about to say something to them that they could consider to be disrespectful um, I wanted to reach out or oh, give us a break from wanting to reach out they were in the top five I got a chart then of other ones that drive people mad but I want yours already Tracy's in with a voice message uh, not just now I'll, re- I'll, I'll let you hear that in a while so we have a busy day I've told we've more tickets as well for the 90s noughties disco last set of tickets for that pages of stuff to get through on bullying and I mean pages at one point I'm just going to have to stop and read it because it's it. there's awful levels of bullying out there and people having a very similar experience in pretty much any school you care to mention the school would prefer it wasn't happening they'd prefer you didn't complain and when you do complain they'll do anything in their power to make it go away and that sounds like a broad sweeping statement but on the basis of the stuff we're getting it seems to be very commonplace out there so all of that if we can stuff it in between now and midday but first of all Karen your weekend your weekend hasn't started uh, the way you had intended. Morning. Good morning. I wish I was in sunny Spain, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> what happened yeah. to you? Well, we had the two o'clock air coach booked to go to Dublin for a 7.15 flight to Alicante. Right. And we got a message saying that, unfortunately, the bus was 15 minutes delayed. And that's fine. You know, it happens. It arrived at 20 past two and we left at half past two. And as it hit the motorway, we began to realise there was something wrong because it was going really slowly. Right. And going up hills, we nearly got out to push. <laughs> but um, eventually, he had to, the, there was a beeping going on. You could hear the beeping and bite done by the driver. Yeah. So he pulled in off the motorway just beyond uh, Mitchell's town in like a lay-by. Yes. He got off the bus, never said a word to us, and he made a phone call, came back in, and he just went, we have a problem. And then he got off the bus. He didn't go into detail on the nature well, of the I think problem. there was a communication issue. I'm not sure whether his English, you know, but there definitely was no, um, what do we do in case of this, you know. So you're standing there at the site, and mercifully yeah. it was a lovely day. Oh, yeah. You're standing... And there was a little piece of grass, but there was a, you know, there was an 18-month-old child with us as well, standing at the edge of a motorway. It's not ideal, you know. No. So what happened then? Did you ring the company? What did you do? We did. We um, we rang. Well, a woman rang. She was fantastic. And she rang. And um, then I rang as well. And we were told, yes, that a bus had been dispatched from Cork and would be with us in three quarters of an hour. So we kind of thought, gosh, that's grand. We'll make it. You know, we're on holidays. We're going to make it. Yeah. And then somebody else rang and was told, no, there's no bus. So I rang back again and I was told, no, sorry, um, there's no bus. We can't get a bus. Um, there's no buses available. And this is this is exactly what I was told. Ye are on your own. Somebody Tried used those taxi. words. Yes, ye are on your own. I'm up in Northern Ireland and you'll have to get your own taxis to get you to the airport and we'll reimburse you for the taxi fares. Now, we're standing on a motorway, you know, how are we supposed to know how to get a taxi? I'm a taxi driver. 
and I didn't even know how to get a taxi outside Mitchelstown. <laughs> so um, it was a bit like, it was chaotic. So I'm, we I'm were, almost afraid to ask what happened next. I know, exactly. Well, eventually, like we, we were ringing, there was a lot of kind of people, visitors and tourists, and should they know what to do? So a few of us were ringing around local, like Cashel, Mitchelstown, Care. I was even ringing a bus company to see, did they have a bus? Mm-hmm. And there was nothing available. So um, then we went, and one, one woman who had, like, she was fantastic. I, I, sorry, I didn't really get her name or um, whatever, but she managed to get onto a coach company. And they sent, they said, look, we'll try and help you as much as we could. Yeah. And eventually we heard that there was a 16-seater on the way and that it would take the people who had the next flight. Okay. So it was kind of like, hands up, who's got the seven, half seven, hands up, who's got the... So um, I rang back to the customer service and they were kind of going, oh, Grant, sure, you're sorted. So, and the rest of the people who couldn't get on... What about the rest of them, says you? They had to wait till the four... The, the coaches leave Cork, there was one at two and the next one was at four. So they had to wait for the four o'clock coach to come. And this is where the baby had to wait because they weren't going straight to the airport. So 16 of us got onto this little mini coach, bags and everything, and belted up the route. Well, he didn't, God love him, he could only go 100 kilometres an hour. He was running out of fuel and he said he'd have to stop for diesel. We pulled up outside Terminal 2 and we ran. And we literally had Mr. R missed the thing by five minutes. Oh, no. Yeah. I think, all in all, to be fair, only three people missed their flights. It's a relief, but that's more. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's but, that's more. Yeah. But, but you know that that's miraculously, you would say, only yes, three people. Yeah. No, I couldn't be a hundred percent certain about that because we left thirty-six people standing at the side of the road. But right. we had to organise. Imagine a company like that telling you you're on your own and you have to organise your own transport. You'd have thought that they would at least have a bus on standby, parked nice and handy somewhere along the motorway. I mean, we were three quarters of an hour. See, if they had told us from the very, very beginning when we broke down that there wasn't a coach available, I would have rung my husband and he would have come up, picked us up and he would have billed them for the trip. Yeah. But because we were told there was one on the way, we lost three quarters of an hour. (laughs) You know? Are you going to get to Alicante? We went to the Aer Lingus desk. They couldn't have been more helpful. They couldn't. They were, They. you could just see they were genuinely sorry for us. Okay. And shocked. They couldn't believe it. And they've really, they were fantastic. We're on a flight tonight at quarter past seven. But we've missed 24 hours. I know. I know. But okay, look, that's not, you know, the end of the world. But we were, we went to the air coach desk and we were, because we, at, at Dublin Airport, we were told to go there by the customer service. The guy never knew anything about it. Then he was great. I have to admit now, he was very helpful. He apologised on behalf of the company, told us they'd reimburse the taxis, they'd give us back the money for the coach trip, Mm. and that after that, we had to claim for everything else of our travel insurance. Okay, okay. Well, look, at least you're going to get there, and Mm. and by tonight, it'll it'll be a distant memory. I I don't know, because, you know, you've lost, I've lost faith in them now. I know. Uh, You know, I've lost faith because of that, you know. It could have been more serious, like we are going on a holiday. You know, somebody could have been going there for, it could have been an interview, it could have been a serious business trip. 
Karen, thank yeah. you and have a good yeah. trip when it does come. We'll be cheering tonight, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, Karen. Have a good trip when it comes flying out tonight at 7 o'clock. She should have been flying out uh, yesterday. Now, we have asked Air Coach for a response. We've given them all of Karen's details and hopefully they will come back with something uh, throughout the morning. If they do, we'll let you know. Another one of those words that I can't abide. Stakeholder. I hate it. You see it everywhere. All the stakeholders are meeting. The only stakeholder I've any interest in being is the fella standing at the salad bar at a barbecue with my plate in my hand waiting to load it up for with coleslaw and spuds. That's the only stakeholder I'm interested Another word that would drive you mad. What are the other ones? They're low-hanging fruit. Sorry now. It's a win-win. No, it's not. If anyone says to you it's a win-win, what it means is, I win. Go on, you donkey. I win. Think outside the box. What flipping box? No? Oh, I'll ping you. Oh, please. Um, Yeah. It's on my radar. Please. What do you think you are, a naval vessel? Run it up the flag. Oh, there's a list, and the longer the list, the more frustrated you get. But they did the survey, and I said going forward was the one that really grinds people's gears. That's the least popular one. Tracy sent us in her own contribution on voice note. PJ wouldn't come on air, but, you know, in boardroom or any meetings, and the person asks people, can I pick your brains for a minute? It's like picking your nose. I don't like that phrase, pick your brains one bit. No, me neither. Me neither. What's your one? What's your one? My missus has one, and I can't argue with her on it. She has one that she uses all the time. When you'd be asking her about something, she'd say, well... She'd smile first. She goes, I'm not going to tell you what... I'm not telling you what to do, but I am. Uh, The problem is with the woman, she's invariably right. Whenever I hear that coming before my wife gives me a bit of advice, she's usually right. I'm not telling you what to do now, but I am. What's the one that that, that does your head in? There's there's more... I'll get to more of them during the morning. 0818 96 96 96. To Anna's email. This is in response to something Ivana Bacic, leader of the Labour Party, has been saying. It was on a press release she brought out that she... In France, she quotes the French... We all quote France when it suits us. Sometimes they're great in that they won't put up with any nonsense from their government, but then they have crackers ideas. Ivana Banchik wants a tax, and she calls it a punitive tax on gas-guzzling SUVs. Uh, It should be transformational, she says, in terms of our carbon emissions. Four of the top five cars sold in Ireland last year were SUVs. That's a worrying trend that needs to be reversed. I would suggest that one of the reasons that they sell so many SUVs here in this country is there are so many young families. We have a duster, which is considered to be an SUV. It's probably the most fuel-efficient car we have ever driven. The damn thing is afraid of fuel. I don't get where she's coming from as regards to big gas guzzlers. But anyway, that's me. Anna sent us an email during the night to opinion at 96fm.ie. Now, she said, I have heard it all. 
So she wants to tax SUVs. Does Ivana realise young families drive SUVs because they fit three or four car seats for the kids in five and seven seaters? Smaller cars don't have that space. Does she realise that families drive them because they have room for buggies, scooters, school bags? Normal cars just don't have that space. Does she realise young families are already crippled with the cost of living, the cost of tax, insurance, childcare, petrol, food? The list goes on. I'm so sick of this country, says Anna, taxing us to the hilt for everything and giving us nothing back to the squeezed middle who are out working their asses off to make ends meet every month. Is she actually for real? I'm raging, says Anna. Yeah. Anna talks about the people who are out working their asses off to make ends meet. It's, it's getting the ends to wave at each other and realise they're there, let alone meet sometimes. But would you agree? If Anna Magic reckons if you, if you drive a Dacia Duster or a Nissan Qashqai or a Renault Qajar or any other one of those cars you care to mention that you should be taxed more for driving one of those. It's all to do with the environment. Yeah, right. Thank you for your loyalty. We actually bought a radio just to listen to you because we've no music. Your heartfelt honesty. I want to thank yourselves without you backing us, putting it on the air and telling the people how important it is and it wouldn't have gone anywhere. And your absolute comedy. What are you looking forward to for the summer? Get up to a bit of the whale watching up around the north side or something. <laughs> <laughs> whale watching up the north side? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be shot, love. <laughs> I have to praise you like I should. Radio ratings are out, and we want to say a massive thank you for listening. 231,000 people listen to Cork's 96FM and C103 every week. Source JMLR Ipsos MRBI 2023-1. I Massive thank you for listening to Cork's 96FM. Hashtag choose radio. It's sad news from the world of music this morning. The death announced of Andy Rourke, the bass player with the Smiths. God, they had a string of hits back in the 80s and 90s. Some great, great, great tunes from Morrissey and the Smiths. Andy Rourke uh, died after a lengthy illness with that horrible, horrible thing, pancreatic cancer. Sad to hear that. It's some great music. You'll find it wherever. If you've never heard of the Smiths, go look them up on Spotify. You will enjoy. 0818-96-96-96. Now, we've been dealing with this since around the middle of April. Well, we got a call from Kenneth. Kenneth has a little boy called Harry. Harry is five, and he's on the spectrum, and he doesn't talk. And he's got another little thing called Pika. And Pika is a difficult condition. Harry has a tendency to eat things, eat things that he shouldn't, including muck and dirt and grass in the garden. So Kenneth wants to put down an artificial lawn for Harry to play on, that they wouldn't have to worry about dirt and muck and stones and things like that. And Ken has a background in construction, so he figured, I'll do a lot of this work myself if I can. He'd put some money aside... To do, you know, to, to save up for the artificial grass. He's also given up work to look after Harry full time. 
but he just didn't have enough money together when he looked at the price of organising artificial grass for his garden, which is about 80 metres squared. It's a decent-sized, ordinary back garden. We got the grass, Rory and the gang, from Artificial Grass Cork in Waterfall. We're on the phone within minutes and said, look, we'll, we'll sort the grass out. So we have the grass. And then we thought we had some help to put it down. But for reasons, personal reasons, the, the person who was going to, to, to help with that has had to back out. So yesterday I was talking again to Kenneth. He's now got all this grass and he himself will be is fairly handy with preparing. But he doesn't really know how to level the ground out properly to put this stuff down. Because preparing the ground for artificial grass is almost as important as the quality and the correct laying of the grass itself. We did have a call uh, from, is it Leonard? Leonard works for a a carpet fitting company and told us that carpet fitting, the skills are quite similar. So he'd be happy to put down the grass when we have a Dan Sheehan carpets. That's where Leonard works. When we have the ground prepared, he's willing to put down the grass in his own time. There's something we didn't know, putting down artificial grass and putting in carpet properly. There's a lot of crossover skills. So we've got Leonard on, on, on side to do that. We got help with labour. David, David got on and said, I'd be happy to help Kenneth at the weekends if I can. Uh, similarly, Dennis would help with labour uh, when he's needed. Michael, happy to help with labour. So we've got some good strong backs thrown in. Anthony's a block layer. He'd like to help in any way he can. Fran is in Mahan, works for a company called Howrahan Sportsfield Developments and they do a lot of this kind of work so he'd be Fran would be willing to help in any aspect that was needed. 29 years of age. Works full time so it would be weekends. So we've people are queuing up to, to help Dave Gibbons, good friend of the Opinion Line. It's been a while, Dave. You you want to help as well. This is a good idea. Morning. PJ, how are we doing? Hiya. You want to do you're something taking, for, for Kenneth? You're, you're taking advantage of my generosity as usual. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a kind and decent man. What is it you can do? Now, I, I, I'll fit a garden tap if they need it, or maybe two of them around the garden if they want it, you know? Yeah. To so keep it the, might be handy to have just a clean-up around the place, you know, or if they want to mix cement or something like that while they're getting ready, you know. Yeah, yeah, and of course keeping the grass clean afterwards because for the sounds of it, Harry has a habit, literally anything that's on the ground, he'll pick it up and eat it. So you're going yeah, to need yeah, to well, keep it clean afterwards. Might be not hard to spray it down every now and again. I don't know how that works with the grass, but at least there'll be water on hand if he doesn't have a tap already. All right, Dave, that's fantastic. We'll put you in touch with, with Kenneth and we'll make, it all, we'll make it all happen. There's a right little team gathering around us now to try and get this sorted out. No, it's good, you see, because that's the generosity of people, of course, you know. Isn't it great? Well, I was saying, fantastic. Isn't it great? Good now, yeah. when that's sorted, today, I'll all sort of want to vote for Smith's ties, because he might want a few ties around the place, you know. Ah, Dave, you're a legend. Right. You're a legend. Dave we Gibbons. we get over it. All right. Dave, you're, 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 you're a legend. Good man. Dave Gibbons, plumber, plumbing and all boilers and all that. If Just look him up. He's all over social media and he's all over the internet. One of the best. Great friend of ours. He's sorted out a few problems over the years. So not only will Dave put in a tap or maybe two taps in the garden to help with everything, but he also wants to throw in a voucher for Smith's Toys 
for some toys for Harry when it's all done. Cork, you are legends. Every single one of you. And there's more coming. The phones are still still ringing. 0818 96 96 96. Yeah, these SUVs that Ivana Bacic wants to tax. <laughs> Anna, not happy. I, I think Anna wanted an extra spoon of sugar in her coffee this morning uh, just to calm down a bit. Ivana also fails to realise, PJ, says Justin, that a lot of car brands have pulled alternative saloon cars, old-fashioned cars, from production and replaced them with SUVs stroke crossovers like the Toyota Avensis, the Mazda 6, the Ford Mondeo, the Renault Laguna, Honda Accord, Nissan Primera. I've driven a couple of them. They've all been discontinued because the demand has switched over. Two SUVs. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But you see, Justin, as I've said before, and I, I look, we all know we have to change our behaviour with regard to climate. We all know that there are sacrifices we're going to need to make. But it's funny, it, it always seems to be, as Anna says, it always seems to be the squeeze middle who are being asked to make more and more sacrifices and they're working their backsides off to make ends meet every month. And as Anna says, these are the young families already crippled with the cost of living, the cost of tax and insurance for the car, the cost of childcare, petrol, food. They have these cars because they have room for buggies and scooters and school bags when other cars just don't have that space. And uh, now, now Ivana Bacic wants to tax these cars punitively. She uses that word. A punitive tax on SUVs. We're taking your thoughts on that. 0818 96 96 96. We are still inundated with... The, it, the phones are lighting up as I speak with people wanting to help out for Harry and his garden. This is going to be so great when it's done. 0818 96 96 96. Well, more of those sayings or corporate speak that would just give you the ick. Touch base by close of business. No, thanks. No, no, no. Especially not if you send me that email at quarter past four. You can, you can do it. Run it up whatever flagpole you like. I ain't going back to you. My mission statement. And that's out something that the Katigan fathers out in Africa would have. On Stay on message now. Stay on message. Oh, go away and blow it where it... They're all coming in. The one that drives you mad. 0818969696. On a more serious note, and I have many female colleagues, have had many female colleagues in this old job of journalism over uh, too many years now. And it's a tough life out there for a female journalist. It, it has always been, and I've looked and watched quietly when I see it's a different playing field for them. That was just my observation as a colleague and a friend of some of them. But there's a new study now has highlighted the abuse, the trolling and the harassment that women in Irish journalism face in the course of their work. They they took 36 journalists and they interviewed them about the negativity that they face, much of it online. Michelle McGlynn is a digital content editor with our di- digital journalist other with the examiner one day you will be digital content editor michelle i've given you a promotion before before you've even given it for your bosses but good morning good to talk to you 
Good morning. Thanks. A promotion on a Friday is a nice way to start. Isn't it just... <laughs> It's a tough old space out there, being a woman. As I said, many of my colleagues over the years, I've watched them take abuse on the chin time and time again. Mm. And, like, you know, obviously, like, all journalists do experience this kind of thing. And with the rise in social media, people have more access to you. Um, But there's just kind of a different level of it when it's towards, like, women in journalism. Mm. There tends to be more... um, it's just a bit more sinister feeling, a lot of it. Yeah. In um, the digital space especially, I think. That's the thing. And then there's something about that, you know, if it's like, you know, you used to get letters posted into the office, but that was like a work space. But when something's coming into your phone, like, all day, every day, it's just, it's very, it's inescapable. And I think it just feels way more personal that way. Like when you're trying as a journalist to break a story that someone doesn't want to break, there's a certain amount of things to be expected when you're doing that. But this goes above and beyond. Yeah, and you know, obviously, people don't like some of the stories. They don't like things that are happening, and that's absolutely fine. And you know, if you want to respond to a journalist who's posted a story that they've written and kind of give your take on this subject or you know, get into a bit, bit of a discussion. Like, that's, again, that's absolutely fine. That's mm. expected. Mm. But it's when they take out their feelings about, like, that story and they take it out on you by, you know, maybe calling you an idiot, saying you're being paid by the government to say things. <laughs> you know, you just get these kind of outlandish things, but it very quickly turns personal. I wish. I wish. <laughs> I know, I would be so rich if I was being paid by all the people I'm supposedly being paid by. (laughs) Talk to me about some of the stuff you've experienced personally, Michelle. Now, myself, um, and it's something that was mentioned in uh, Don Wheatley's report, is that so many people say, oh, but I'm lucky because it's just been this. And you see other journalists getting, you know, things a lot harder. They're getting pile-ons by people. Um, so I am quite lucky. I've never had things get as serious as it has for other people. Um, but, you know, I was talking before about uh, there was just this one guy and um, he had earned the nickname of the Reply Guy, oh, which right. is a kind of a social media term for you often get these people, very often men, who will literally respond to every single thing you put up. And it's just, you know, it can range from just a little irritating or sometimes if these guys don't get the interaction from you that they want or the response, again, like, things will escalate. It'll get a bit aggressive. It'll get personal. Um, But, you know, I had a guy who was doing that for a while and I just ignored him. You know, I just kind of left into it. That was fine. Had you any idea who he was? No, you know, no actual photo it was on um, Twitter mm-hmm. and there was no photo there was no real name um, but you know he would often respond saying things so I knew uh, he lived in the same city and you know he was kind of like you know, you know if I posted that I was at a gig or something and he would be like oh I'll go to that next time and things like that so it make like, you fearful would it mm, it just kind of puts you a bit Ill, Ill at ease kind of um, but, you know, I didn't, like, I didn't block him, I didn't do anything, I just kind of left it. And I kind of thought, you know, he'll get bored. 
Um, and then there was one morning I was getting up for work and I looked at my phone and I had 200, 250 notifications. Um, and, you know, the first thing you do with that is panic. You think something terrible has happened. Yeah, I've got something wrong. or <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, God, like, am I in trouble here? Um, but he had started, I think, at around 4 a.m. And he just went through every single tweet that he could and just liked it or retweeted it, responded to it. And it just, I think it took him about an hour and a half. That's creepy. Yeah, and like in the middle of the night, you know. And That's I, like creepy. at that point, I got a bit nervous. So I did block him. And um, then I kind of jokingly sent a little screenshot of his profile to uh, some, of, some of my friends and just said, hey, if I disappear without a trace anytime soon, here's the first guy to talk to. Um, and then on their kind of advice, they were saying, you know, you should check your other social media and see if he's not there. Yeah. And he was there, but like with a slight change to his username or that kind of a thing. So um, I did find he was on everything that I was on. So I had to kind of go around then and block. And, you know, I started to pay attention for a while of the new followers and stuff that would come in, mm -hmm. just in case it was going to be him in a different profile or... Yeah. Did you ever find out who it was? No. He That's did email at some point, a little apologetically. Um, he said he was going through a tough time and this kind of thing and like again I didn't respond because I was like that just might bring him back mm -hmm. again if he gets a response so yeah. I just kind of left him to it and hopefully yeah. he's doing better now We've all got the oh so what would you know you're only a journalist crack over the years but what would you know you're only a woman mm. is even worse and you've got that as well Yeah you do get you get a lot of um, patronising comments um, and you know that the whole thing of like mansplaining you know you'll have written an article that clearly you've researched <laughs> enough to be able to write about it and these people will come in and be like oh well I I know different and I'm going to explain this all back to you mm. and uh, then it's all like you get so many of them trying to tell you about certain topics and stuff and they blatantly haven't even clicked in to even skim the article. Have you they've even read already, the damn thing? Like. <laughs> yeah, they've already decided they know better than you because, oh, well, you're just mm. a woman. You're just a journalist. I just made that point in paragraph two, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> mm, I know. I'm like, well, like, you'd be very tempted a lot of the time to just go back to them and say, well, if you went there to the second paragraph, you know, that, that's been addressed or debunked or whatever. Mm. But, you know, if you start doing that, you could be doing it all day, every day. <laughs> You could, you could, and for some reason, they don't like it either. Of course, you know that. I, I explained that in paragraph two. Next, mm. you know, they, 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 I, I, we've all we've all done that. But I think for women, it just gets worse. This is it. Like, um, I always feel that there's kind of a, a couple of steps in the escalation of it, where, you know, first maybe they'll say, "This story is stupid. You shouldn't be writing this." Whatever. Um, and then if they get no response or not the one that they wanted, like the attention that they clearly want, then it'll turn personal either like to your intelligence or your appearance. And then after that is usually then when it gets quite aggressive. And, you know, for some people there are very serious threats of violence. And, you know, oh, I know you're 
in this place, I'm going to come over. And, um, you know, I've seen women have their families threatened. And, like, there's very little that people can actually do mm-hmm. with these. Like, you know, you can go to the guards and you can kind of say, like, look, this is happening. But, like, there's very little ways of protecting yourself. A former colleague quit the journalism game after she was sent and I, I won't name her but she, she, she's no longer doing the job she quit after a person that she was pursuing a story a very dogged pursuit of a story mm. and she got a photograph of her children in a playground sent to her with circles she, around their heads like that that's not on and just for doing your job yeah. just for doing your job yeah, like this is it. Like these people are just angry for some reason, you know. Mm. Yeah. And like you know, you find like there are some people that genuinely just get angry at the sight of a woman occupying space, being confident in what she says. Yeah. And you know, shockingly enough, a lot of these people seem to have a lot of uh, free time on their hands. <laughs> Yeah. And they choose to spend it online being hateful. I'm sure you know Ali O'Reilly who broke the story of the two babies. Mm. The abuse Ali has taken, I know her well, the abuse she's taken over the years would, would shock you. And, you know, for for bringing something very important to light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's crazy. And, like, even sometimes you'll post up the most innocuous kind of a little feel-good story and even still, you will get angry, hateful comments. So, 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 Michelle, why do you keep doing it then? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's an, it's an important job, mm-hmm. for one thing, you know. Like, I know there is a rise, a worrying rise in kind of anti-journalist sentiment all around. Oh, yeah. You know, I, my male colleagues would get it as well. Oh, yeah. You know the phone call I get every morning here at 5 to 9 telling me what to say? Really? Oh yeah, every morning, every and the check. The, the, actually, the check is late. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's nonsense, just, by the way. <laughs> that is just terrible. I always get paid on time. Do you? Oh yeah. But they won't use Revolut with me, you see, because then they they never know who's there. <laughs> well, they can't. There'd be a, a paper trail. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Michelle, listen. <laughs> look after yourself out there. It's it's a jungle. Uh, oh, mind, yeah. a, a digital jungle. My Joseph, thanks very much. That's Michelle McGlynn, digital journalist with the Irish Examiner. Thank you. The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th to 27th. May 25th to 27th. You make me feel. Every year, we speak to people touched by cancer. So if you've got a story to tell, we'd love you to get in touch. Simply email radiothon at 96fm.ie to find out more. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th to 27th. You make you feel only on Cork's 96 FM. Go with the flow. That drives people mad. All that means is they want you to do it their way. That's what they mean. And, and do what you're told. That's go with the flow. DJ, parents should carpool for the school runs. Some parents drive Monday, then some Tuesday. Another family goes Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Neighbours in estates should help out. That might get some of the cars 
off the road. That is assuming, though, and that would that worked in the 70s and 80s when a lot of people worked the same hours. But now everybody in my road works different hours, for example, and within the same house there's different working hours. Dear Madon, SUVs, morning. Yes. Um, um, yeah, thanks for putting me on. Um, no, basically, um, over, I started my life as a car hater and just, you know, disliking the environment issues. But as I got older and my brother had kids and uh, we found that the only solution was an SUV because you you take the kids to the Cubs or the Scouts or whatever, yeah. or the dancing or whatever it is, uh, along with the kids around and then their their family will take them back you know a few weekend later or if they, 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 you know in the evening or whatever yeah. so this has been going on it's now part of the irish uh, system the irish culture the absurd idea that the suvs are destroying the planet is beyond comprehension because if you look at the miles per gallon of cars from the 70s and the 80s uh, they were gas gobblers compared to modern cars. They were. They were. My, my brother then, his kids grew up, and he sold his SUV. But the only thing he could buy, basically, was this um, uh, crossover thing with a, a one-liter engine and a turbo. And um, it's it's proved to be um, very fuel-efficient if you don't go too fast and use the turbo. And it means that when he needs to go on holidays, he can put a few extra things in. Yeah. But... It, there wasn't a saloon car that was suitable when you went to buy one in 2018. So this is complete. I don't know what, what the government is smoking to think that the United Nations plans to put us all into 15-minute cities and nobody drives cars and everybody cycles bikes. It, it, that's complete uh, crazy stuff. Well, it sounds, I mean, it, it, look, it, it's, it's like something that might happen on a strange planet they land on in Star Trek. I, I, and while we all know that the environment is in trouble and we all know that climate has problems, dear mid, th- <clears throat> there's a certain amount of idealism out there. And I think what makes people like Anna, who contacted us, <laughs> most angry is it always seems to be the family of the, the oh, squeeze yeah. middle family. That's under oh, yeah. I mean, I, I defined that in nine, uh, 2005. I, I decided, no, there seems to be an anti-family agenda. And I contacted various um, politicians about it. And I was told, go get lost. In fact, the only politician that agreed and said that uh, he was not going to be part of it um, was the gay politician. I've forgotten his name. He's a senator. Um, David Norris. Neil Norris. He was about the only one that came back and said... Oh yeah, there's, there there seems to be a family anti-family agenda, and he was not going to be part of it. And uh, I can pretty well say that I haven't seen every any evidence that he's any part of these things. But certainly, a lot of politicians who are either single, I'm single, but I mean, to me, it's logical. If you don't have kids, you don't have a pension system in the future. Yeah, and if you don't have kids, you don't need one of these things. If you do have kids, you do. Yeah, and that the kids are facilitated by the families who rear the kids at great expense and great um, whatever. And um, so the, the nonsense idea, well, I'm single and I'm saving the planet, is complete nonsense. I mean, you have to have a future, yeah. and the future is built on kids. All right, Dermot, I'll leave it there. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. There's another. Thank you. There's another stat that I heard on the radio during the week. Um, by the time your child is old enough. 
to fend for themselves, as in late teens, early 20s, by the time they and get their own job and maybe move to their own flat or whatever, by the time they get to that point in life, they will have cost you how much? I'll tell you after the news. Make tea. You're going to need it. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. 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 And I just switched over to the new Dacia one. Yeah, is it called? It's a lovely yoke. I think it's called the Jogger. Yeah, all the space there, loads of room for the dogs. It's a one-litre engine. My son has extra needs. We have to have this car. I would not appreciate paying extra tax. That's uh, just another response to this idea that Ivana Bacic... And to be fair now, it's not just Ivana Bacic. There's a few more people, a few more uh, environmentalists, campaigners who ideologues, some of them, who reckon that those of us who have the, the temerity to drive one of these things should be taxed until we bleed. Uh, let alone whether we might need them or not. Do you know what I mean? Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, then that, that, that's... Uh, I, I, we, we both, myself and the missus, we both drive Dacias. We moved to Dacia over the last few years. I'm not plugging them or anything, but the damn things are afraid of... They're afraid of fuel. They are afraid of the stuff. Uh, 0818969696. Few more on those. I'll get to them. Lots more corporate speak. Driving people demented. Take ownership. Yeah. What? Gobshed came up with that. Take ownership. <laughs> Pay me the owner's wages and then, then I'll take ownership. And no, oh, synergy. Yeah. Synergy. Like, what does that even mean? I'll bet you half the people who use the word synergy in a boardroom don't even know what it means. I, I used to think it was a vitamin supplement you'd have for your breakfast until... So- oh, yeah. And people who put super in front of everything. Oh, it's... I'm super excited. You sound like you're three. I'm super pleased to meet you. You sound like you're three. Stop. Just flipping stop. So they reckon that it'll cost you €200,000 to prepare a child to leave the nest when they eventually do. It ties into this. Ali, we, you were recommended to us after we talked to Kim the other day. Uh, Kim has made the decision not to have children and she discussed it with her partner. She even tried it at one point, came off her contraceptives and then lost interest in sex because of the fear of becoming pregnant. She just does not want to be a, a parent. You run a Twitter account for people like that. Morning. Yeah, hi, morning there, PJ. Yeah, I've got a Twitter account called Child Free by Choice, which is really just there to help reduce the stigma of people who are choosing not to have children um, and maybe educate others who don't quite understand that there are people out there who don't want children um, and that there's more than one ways to live life, find fulfilment and live a happy and satisfying life really. As someone who as I said the other day I became a dad in my 30s and before that was completely ambivalent but now obviously wouldn't give them back and wouldn't change my mind on it but I can completely understand why some people do not want to be want to have children 
And I also don't understand why anybody would question that. Yeah, and, you know, it's really nice to hear your position of that, saying that you understand it. And, you know, kids aren't for everyone. And I think the really important thing is that kids are brought into households that where they truly want it. They're really... Um, they're going to have great parents and they're going to have a great life. Um, and, of course, it kind of fits over to the, the, the unfortunate side of things, people who are childless who desperately want children and can't have them. And it all crosses over to this kind of stigma and opinion and judgment about people who don't have children. There's a lot of aspersions cast. But, yeah, there's, there's a lot of judgment. There's quite a lot of hostility and othering and invisibling. So it's... And, you know, it's not even a new choice. Women throughout history have been choosing not to have children, but they've been, um, let's just say, suppressed and kind of hidden away because politically and religiously, children are revered and celebrated, and that's just what you do. That There's kind of... The path that's dictated is kind of people towing the line and conforming is grow up, get married into a heteronormative relationship, um, I say in, in inverted commas, yeah. um, and have children, you know. So I think sometimes people are a little bit worried and fearful of people who choose different directions. And, and really, I think the advocacy work I try to do is just, there's no right or wrong. If you want children and you'll be a great parent, I wish you all the best and I hope you have lots of fun and love and I hope they have a great life. And similarly, if you don't want children, there's so many other things that you can be passionate about and spend your time on. Um, and we can each support and celebrate each other. Have you looked in at all, Ali, into why it is society looks at a woman or a man who has no desire to be a parent and looks down upon them? Oh gosh, how long have you got? Um, I've done as long quite as you need. a lot of. <laughs> I've done quite a lot of um, research on this myself. Um, I, I have some hunches. I also think, I mean, there's, there's quite a lot of science on this. Um, I think, oh God, there's so many different aspects. I think this becomes a big group thing here. So first of all, parents kind of become, their life can often quite revolve around parents. So there's an in-group and an out-group. And if you don't fit the in-group, you know, you're not doing the school pickup. You're not going and supporting your kids at whatever sport they're playing. You're not really in the circle. You're othered. And potentially there's assumption that those about children have um, they've got more spare time or they've got more money or there's all these things so they can build a bit of a kind of resentment towards people but actually the truth of it is they don't have more spare time as such they just spend their time on different things um, so I think I think there's a bit of an us and them being created and if we're honest there's it's very taboo but there is um, there's several books on the matter and there was a recent article about um, regretting parenthood. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of five parents I read in Germany. that last week and I mentioned yeah. it here on the programme, Ali, that they had done some research in various parts of the world and they came up with a fairly solid p- percentage between 10 and 12%. Not mm-hmm. that anybody would give their children back. Of course they wouldn't. Mm. But that they, when looking back now, they might not have had children. Yeah, and you know, I think what you've just said makes the call to really consider whether you want children instead of just 
going through the process of ticking off the life stages, I think it's, I would really like to encourage everyone to deep dive. And when you come to the point of, are children right for me? That is exactly the question. Mm. Would you be a good parent? Do do they match your values and purpose and, and how you want to spend your time? Because we put out romanticised videos and photos and ideas of what parenting's about, you know, the bedtime stories and the Christmas celebrations. Yeah, but yeah, so yeah. Much we, we put all that stuff, that. we forget about shitty arses and, and, and yeah. children roaring at four o'clock in the morning and, and the stress on, on people trying to work and, and trying to keep yeah. a normal thing going. I mean, again, I can only speak, we can all only speak from our own person. I mean, my kids are grown up now, but I mean, I love them, I love them fiercely. Fiercely. But if they weren't there, I kind of, if look at looking back, if they hadn't come along, would I know the difference? Mm. And that's a mature, that's a really mature and level perspective. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Because I think we, and I, when I say we, I mean the child free and then it leads into the childless, like I touched on. There's a lot of what we call bingo comments, such as, um, you know, up until the age of about 10 years old, a child who says they don't want children will be told, oh, you're too young to understand, you're too young to make up your mind. Whereas a child of the same age who says they want two children will be patted on the back and said, yes, well done. That's the correct answer. Um, And then when you get in your 20s, you know, you if you say you don't want children, someone will say, oh, you've just not met the right person yet. Um, so you're not listened to, you're not heard. And then when you get to your 30s, you're told you've changed your mind. And mm-hmm. again, it's as if this, you know, a, a lot of people who've chosen not to have children, they've done more con- deep diving and thinking and researching and um, soul searching as to whether or not to have children than many parents. So being told by sometimes a stranger, you'll change your mind. It's really condescending. It implies they know your mind better than you know your mind yourself. Um, yeah. And then, of course, there's the threat of regret, because that's what it is. It's the biggest FOMO of, oh, you'll regret it. And it's it's a bizarre one. You know, it's really unaccepting of someone's decision. You know, we wouldn't turn around to someone who's announced their pregnancy or something and say, oh, you'll regret that. <laughs> it's it's really cruel. It's not. You have to just kind of think, well, that's your decision. Good for you. You know, I might regret not training to be an astronaut in later life, but it's, you know, we make the decision mm. based on how we feel at the time, information we have at the time. And, you know, we might regret it later on. But actually, again, studies have shown that regretting not having children in later years isn't really that high. Um, and we really just, you know, one of the, probably the worst, reason to have children in later life would be in case you regret it later on. Yeah. I mean, going through from pregnancy to childbirth to raising children, the cost you save, the time, mm. just in case you regret it. You, 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 you learn to cycle a bicycle in case you'd regret it when you're older that you didn't and you wouldn't <laughs> yeah. know how. But there's a bit of a difference. You come back yeah. to something you said to me a few minutes ago, Ali, to do with religion. You mentioned religion in the course and I said mm. I'd leave it with you for a couple of seconds. And the reason is this. Um, we're a very uh, religious society, us in Ireland. Yeah. It's on the decline, but, but we, yeah. we traditionally were, and we did terrible things to young women and young babies in, in the name of yeah. religion, going back yeah. far enough. But there are many people whose lives are, the milestones in their lives are determined by sacraments, baptism, 
communion, confirmation, marriage, and then you start again, baptism, communion, confirmation, marriage. So mm. if you're raised, and I, I'll draw the fury of Catholics on me now. I was raised a Catholic, but I'll draw the fury. People think you get into, you get married, and you have to have children because it's part of your duty. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think you've you've really hit the the nail on the head there. It's it's the cycle. There's the the pressure, the tradition. There's also I don't know if you're aware. Twice, one maybe two years ago, and one fifth in 2015, um, the Pope made a comment about people who choose not to have children being selfish. Or I remember that. About, I was very yeah. angry at the Pope when he said yeah. that. Yeah. So I there said, is. What business big, is it of yours? Absolutely. Padre. Big, big religious connotations in specific religions as well, and that is not fair. It puts the and I can I can say that wasn't actually pressure on on women just just choosing not to have children. It's people who choose not to have more children. Yeah. So there's the pressure. I think there'll be you'll have plenty of listeners who who have chosen for whatever reason or or, or have it inflicted on them to have one child good for them. They received so much undue pressure as well to yeah. have more. Look so, back to the 70s and the 80s, but the 70s yeah. in particular. I remember my, my late mother-in-law was friendly with a woman who was one of 21 pregnancies. Now, now 19 of them lived and, and she, used to, she used to say they were a very close family. I said, what bloody choice did they have? Yeah. You know, but those families were just crazy. They were cruel, actually. Those families. Yeah, yeah, that's that's tough. That's tough on everyone. And and can you imagine the children when you're one of that many? It's the the getting your needs met, getting the care, love, and attention. Um, but you were a good Catholic family. Well, <laughs> yeah, on the surface, on yeah. the surface, you were yeah. you were dotting the i's, crossing the t's, weren't you? You were, you were, you were. Your Twitter account is what, Ali? So it's child free by choice, but for the, uh, the at child free BC. But the actual, the name of it is child free by choice, child and free. the handle is at child free BC. BC. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that we've opened this conversation because, like I said, I wouldn't, and I, and I don't know anybody who has children that I know anyway who'd give them back, not in a fit. But if you said to them time over would you have had them if you'd known a fair few is actually do you know what I might have thought twice about it yeah I think so and like I said before it's it's still a very taboo topic the regretting parenthood um, because there's no doubt that people love well you know let's, we don't need to go into the, the neglect and the cases but yes people love their children it can be very complex there's a very interesting book called Regretting Motherhood by I think it's Honored uh, um, and do you know there's nothing wrong with admitting if you had your time over you maybe would choose a different path you still do the best you can and it's not about being judgmental about people who admit to struggling and to mm-hmm. maybe being slightly resentful that they can't spend more time on their own passions and, and, and they'd be I afraid think, to say this because their children yeah. would say but ma'am, ma'am, you didn't want no, you wouldn't even be here, you wouldn't know yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're here now, and I'm not sending you anywhere. But if you weren't, you wouldn't know I'm having. I was thinking like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And sometimes actually being open and being truthful, and 
you can have these conversations maybe even with your nearest and dearest friends of if you're struggling um, having had children and kind of thinking, oh God, I can't can't take them back and look what I've done and, and if only I'd chosen a different path. Actually, that's very normal and I yeah. think it's more normal than, than we realise. And it's another but one think, we're afraid to talk about. We're afraid of our lives to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is why, you know, because of the prevalence of being in that position and um, because society romanticizes having children so much this is exactly why i'm trying to encourage people to think a little bit more before you even commit to, to having children is this the right path for you for, that, for some absolutely they can bring so much love and happiness and fun and mm. purpose and fulfillment but that's not the only path to those sure. um ways of life. All right. Ali, good to talk. Ali Hall, uh, Child Free by Choice. You'll find her on Twitter at Child Free BC. It's a taboo subject. We don't mind doing it though. 0818 96 96 96. Ali uh, lives here but she grew up in, in Scotland. Uh, Reg- Regretting Motherhood is a book that she recommends. I don't know who wrote it but We'll get to it if, you, if you're interested in that. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Your thoughts? Like I said, I, my kids know this. I, I love them fiercely. I wouldn't give them back under any circumstances, and they have enhanced my life and their mother's lives more than there are words to describe. But thinking back to before they were in this world, if they didn't come along, I just said, "Okay, that's fine." So it's a funny one, isn't it? Question 10. What chess piece moves first? The pawn. So you actually got 9 out of 10. Woohoo! I'm delighted. I know. And then the one that you obviously had doubts about, uh, what chess piece moves first? The correct answer, unfortunately, is pawn. You've just won 2,000 euros! Why are you defibrillator now? <laughs> I know, I know. Now that I've won the two grand, everything is great. Lad, you've made my day and oh. my daughter. We're just over the moon. Congratulations. Yeah. done. Thanks for Stacking up the cash. 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 Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96FM. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. All right, so we were reading out the email from Anna earlier about Ivana Batchik of the Labour Party, the leader of the Labour Party, who says we should put a punishing tax, a punitive tax on SUVs, which she described as 
gas guzzlers. Uh, and it's time we did it. Deirdre, not only do you agree, but you think we should go further. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Hi. Um, yeah, I really agree with um, with taxing SUVs. And to be honest, yeah, I think we should really go further and ban them. And I guess why I think that is, I just think with the climate crisis, we really have to act on this. Um, and I know you were saying earlier that they, you were saying that like families need SUVs to carry kids around and, and so on. But I was just thinking back to, um, you know, a number of years ago when Irish families were a lot bigger and there were no SUVs and, and we got on fine without them. And I just think, you know, I'm thinking about hopefully starting a family myself. And I'm just thinking what I think about most is I'm so worried about what will the future be like for my children if we don't act on the climate crisis, you know, and and rather than... Of course, we need to transport the kids around, but the, the really, really important thing is to make sure that they have a future that's livable. And the way things are going at the moment, there's no guarantee of that if we don't, you know, really take decisive action on the climate crisis. And I do think that SUVs are really, at the end of the day, a luxury item and very much a new item. Um, mm. And really, it's only people who are relatively well off in the world that can afford them. And I'm just thinking of the poor, poor people all around the world whose lives are already being claimed by climate change. Like People are dying from this. People's crops are failing because of this. Mm. You know, people don't have enough to eat. Their homes are literally being swept away. So I just think when you, when you contrast that to, you know, a, a more minor thing about maybe taking the biggest cars off the road... It's just, it seems to be a no-brainer well, for me. Maybe, and Perhaps it does, Deirdre, but let's look at that now and what you said about the, say, the, the geographic south where, where there are things happening because of climate change. And look, for example, at the, the tragedy in, in Italy at the moment where many people are putting it down to climate change rather than just some, some, some early summer storms, which, which could yeah. just as easily be an explanation. But take Anna's point here that... Families are already crippled with the cost of living, the cost of tax and insurance, the cost of childcare, petrol and food. That they, she needs, she has three kids, she needs to put the buggy somewhere, she needs the scooters, she needs the school bags to go somewhere. And smaller cars just don't have the space. Yeah, and I think, look, I think, I mean, the cost of living crisis is huge at the moment. It's a, it's a huge, huge issue. But I think if we were to act on the climate crisis, to look at both of these crises as part of the one crisis, and at the end of the day, it's, it's a crisis of inequality. You know, the, the very wealthiest people are doing okay now and are also causing the huge majority of emissions. So I think we need to look at solutions that that tackle that wealth inequality and that will automatically reduce our emissions. I so wonder would it, though? Rather than I wonder would kind it. of... I really think it would. Like, we need to look at the big corporations that are producing SUVs, that are creating this demand for SUVs. It's advertising. We were perfectly happy without them until we started being flooded with ads or until, yeah, as you say... Georgia, we were perfectly, we were the perfectly happy without the radio until we discovered the radio. We were perfectly happy without the television until we discovered the television. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think, I think, I think it's different, to be honest. Like, I think if you look at our quality of life, and our our happiness. I think things like the radio could certainly contribute to that. But when you look at 
SUVs versus other other more means of transport. I don't think there's any concrete evidence to say it makes us happier. In fact, when you look at the amount of people who are utterly frustrated in traffic jams upon traffic jams, like it's probably adding to stress rather than taking yeah. a, you know taking away from it. So I think the real answer here is we need much yeah. overnight, but we need to act on it. We need much, much, much better, really good public transport systems. You're, no, listen, I'm never going to argue with you on that point. We need much better public transport. There, there are parts of the world, there are major cities in the world where you do not need to own a car. That's exactly. The, uh, the Dublin, yeah. there are parts of Dublin, I say parts of Dublin, where you do not need to own a car, for example. But go back to the, the old, if the families back in time a bit, and there were bigger families and, and, and they didn't need these SUVs, but what they did was, dear, they, they shoved three or four or five kids and a dog into an old Ford Escort estate, and it was weighed down, and there, there was a child in the boot with the dog. It was a hazard. It wasn't safe. Yeah, of course. And look, I'm not suggesting we go back to that, but I think there's a way we can do this. Um, I think a lot of SUVs, I mean... Uh, I just I noticed it, this maybe maybe too much, but because for my own mental health it's not good. But the amount of SUVs I see passing and there's maybe one person in them or there's mm. two people in them and there's two in each. But driveway. how do you know they haven't dropped oh. three or four kids off a dance class? Yeah, and look, that's that's so the, we can look at these kind of things. But yeah. I think in general, you know, and, and we need a tax that's progressive, you know, and we need to make sure and we need. We need better support for people, better support for families. Mm. Yeah, but you know, and all of that is really important. And I think we can do it together. Do you support the families? By, do, do you support the, ta- the families by taxing their car off the road? The other thing too that come up, comes up is with children in cars now. The rules are an awful lot stricter than they were. Like yes. if you've if you've a smallie in the back seat, you can get penalty points. Like you're going to be. Yes. You need to have a proper robust car seat and install it and as I'm sure you'll discover if you have a family of your own and I don't wish to patronise you will discover this trying to get these damn things in and out of the car requires a degree in engineering almost Yeah I accept that and, and look there's ways that we, we need to look at cars and see how we can make you know make sure there's the safety element but also the you know I, I don't think we need to go all the way to SUVs and you know, there's definitely ways to not do that, but also going just going back to that need for better public transport. Yeah. You know, I think that's really the, the root of the issue. And to make it easy and pleasant for people to get around, you know, and to make sure that, you know, buses have the right, and most of them do, to be fair, but that there's a, a better amount of buses, you know, that have the, the technology to, to let buggies go up and down with ease and that kind of thing. No, no one's um, going to argue with you there, for sure. Better, yeah. In fact, but I, I, guess would, I'm I would contend the fact the that we have some... The future and, you know, they're going to be around at the end of the century. And, like, will the streets of Cork even be... Can, would we be even able to walk on them, never I mind think, drive? Well, will, I think we will. I think we will. We have dear. to keep that big picture. You know, in mind, it's so well. Well, the evidence and the science is saying otherwise. If we continue the way we are, we might be flying in little shuttles. You know, it, it, the, the technology. Technology. One thing I learned. I'm a bit older than you. One thing I learned is technology adapts to change. I, 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 and I believe in my heart. Yes, the climate is a problem. Yes, we need to do something about it. But yes, we'll also be okay. 
we'd be okay if we act now, but that means we have to radically reduce our, our emissions, our polluting emissions. And there's no, unfortunately, there's no magical technology mm. no, fix to do that. We have to reduce emissions. But we can build a, a much more even, a more equal society at the same time if we do this right. And if we go after the wealth of big corporations and the very, very rich, that's evidence-wise, that's the way we can get emissions down. So this isn't after going after, you know, the ordinary person on the street. It's, it's, we all have a role to play. Um, well, the ordinary the majority, person on the street is the one driving the majority the of us can benefit. The ordinary you person know, if, in the street. If we do this right. Okay. All right, Deirdre, thank you. I enjoyed that chat. I don't agree with... I, did, I agree with what she says about public transport. Totally agree with what she says about public transport. Like there are parts of Dublin where you don't need a car. And there are certainly many parts of London, Manchester, Liverpool, where you wouldn't need a car. And I'm sure many of the modern... Paris. I'm sure you don't need a car in many parts of Paris. Rome. Madrid. Barcelona. There are many parts of many modern cities where you don't need a car. New York. Uh, my buddy has lived in New Jersey for 37 years and has never even learned to drive because he's never needed to. There's public transport for everything. Different world, I guess. We talk a lot about scams on this program and there's not a week goes by we don't get word of a new one and they're becoming more insidious and more clever and they wind people in more efficiently and you're buried in them before you know that you're being scammed and by the time you realise you're being scammed you're buried so deep into them that you can't get out of them and you'd have to wonder what is the role being played in that by artificial intelligence the the whole chat GPT discussion comes around and there's other platforms too uh, I read a piece on social media the night about um, there's a big discussion in Britain at the moment about BBC local radio and and there's a there's a view out there that it's being phased out and and you know dumbed down by the BBC and somebody asked uh, chat GPT or one of these to generate a document as to how you might shut down BBC local radio and the flipping thing came up with literally four or five points that are exactly what's happening in every BBC local radio station up and down the country. It was quite frightening to read. So if it could do that, it can scam us for every last cent we have. Are the two tying together Ronan Murphy of Smart Tech, who has spent many hours on this program telling us how to avoid scams, are AI and platforms like Chat GDP, GTP making it even more difficult? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Uh, artificial intelligence is making cybercrime easier, absolutely. And in, it's doing that in several different ways. It's making it easier to automate it. It's making it easier to make the attacks on uh, social engineering or manipulation of people easier. It's making it easier to evade being detected. Um, it's making it easier to, to generate what we call deep fakes where they can replicate what, how people speak or what people, uh, even, even imagery of people. So yes, it's, uh, it's definitely 
enabling cybercrime, I would say. But at the same token, um, it's also very effective in helping uh, to uh, protect from a protect from the bad guys so really? i mean in smart yeah both in smart tech 247 and in get visibility we build artificial intelligence systems and we use them and apply them on a daily basis to customers all over the globe who we successfully uh, defend using artificial intelligence so the thing to remember about cyber crime and these scams and about security in general is that it has always been a game of cat and mouse or a game of chess where you've got the good guys on one side and you've the bad guys on the other side. And as technology evolves and as techniques evolve and as scams evolve, there's both good and bad actors in this who are trying to protect individuals, trying to protect businesses and trying to protect governments. So there's both positive and negative implications, but it's mm. by no means is it all negative. Is it a bit like, remember reading a survey a few years ago, when social media started to take off, what is mankind's best invention? The internet. What is mankind's worst invention? The internet. AI is brilliant, or AI can be awful. You're spot on. I think that's a really, really astute um, point you make. I mean, some of the advances in AI are spectacular in terms of how they're going to help with, with with things like medical treatments, cancer, um, you know, there's lots of really positive aspects to this. It's it, it's good for humanity. But at the same time, look, it's going to have its problems. Like any very powerful technology, there is ways where it can be problematic if it's not controlled and implemented and regulated properly. Yeah. It can impersonate human input. And that's that's that that's a, a a time bomb, isn't it? Um, it depends. It depends in in what context. I mean, does does does. But do several... I know I'm talking to Ronan? If I was emailing you back and forth, back and forth, and you're trying to help me with a problem in my system, how do I know I'm not talking to an AI generated version of Ronan? Yeah, but you could say the same PJ but a human, right? I mean, how how do you know if it's if it's via email if it's not if it's not just someone who's pretending to be me, right? Uh, the difference with AI is you could probably do it at scale. You could do it you could do much more of them simultaneously. But there is safeguards that can be built in. At the end of the day, an awful lot of this, and I say this repeatedly, you know, every single time I think we talk, an awful lot of this is about is about common sense. Yeah. And um, it's about having the guardrails in place and the safety checks in place to make sure that you're not being scammed and that you're and even with AI, there will still be obvious signs um, if it's if it's um, potentially a scam, for example, if it's. Um, somebody asking you to transfer money all of a sudden, which isn't the norm, if there's any warning signs. People need to be, and, and this isn't changing, this has always been the same. People need to question everything, they need to be careful on what they click. And and also, I think it, what's important to remember, one of the big problems is that what we're now dealing with, PJ, is what we call cross-platform attacks. Okay. So. In days gone by, it was just phishing emails, right? You got your email from the Nigerian prince who wanted to give you money if you sent him his bank account details. But now you've got technology in every part of your life. You've got your banking on your mobile phone. You've got social media accounts. You're getting text messages. You're getting voicemails. You're getting messaging apps. So it's it's multi-channel approach to attacking people to try and 
um, uh, you know, get access to their data or get access to their uh, banking information. So people just need to be incredibly vigilant all of the time. Um, mm. And it's important that, you know, pe- people question everything when it comes to technology, if, if people are trying to contact them or get their information. You, you said to me before, the most dangerous human emotion in the world of uh, online is trust. Is trust. Yeah, tr- you must trust learn to trust, trust nothing. You must zero trust. Trust trust is a human emotion which should never be used when it comes to technology. You need to question uh, everything. You need to be skeptical about everything. And you, you know, you just, you need to be so careful because the consequences of this, you guys talk about it a lot on your show. Um, I see 99% more than what you ever see in the real world. Yeah. And the, the consequences are devastating at so many different levels with so many different types of people being affected. And it's not just financial. It, it, it traverses many different areas which are incredibly problematic from social media to extortion to um, theft. To, you know, it just, it's, it's, it's endless. It's, there's a very sinister side to this. But look, and you said it a minute ago, in your last conversation, when you talk about technology, people adapt and, you know, there's, there's tremendous benefits and there's, mm. there's a very good aspect to this as well. But, you know, people people need to be very, very vigilant all of the time. Yeah, I read, I watch a lot of science fiction, but I, I, I did see a piece recently where uh, artificial in- intelligence in terms of medicine, where the art an artificial intelligence device would be able to access every piece of surgery and every surgical video and every piece of surgical research ever done on something like a brain tumour. And the AI can invent a new form of treatment and all it takes then is a brilliant surgeon to do it. It's astonishing. I mean, so you're talking, I I find myself in many scenarios talking about the negative implications of artificial intelligence. But in fact... I believe the benefits far away the negative aspects and you've just given a really good example. I mean, the advances we will experience in healthcare over the coming years because of artificial intelligence and the, and the speed and scale of this is tremendous. Mm. And um, you're, you're, you're absolutely spot on. At this time next week, Ronan, we'll be in the thick of our Giving for Living Radiothon and even... Over the years of Radiothon, I've noticed how much has changed in terms of cancer research. The, the, the possibilities for cancer research using artificial intelligence are astonishing. It's astonishing and it's, it's, you know, it's changing people's lives. It's incredibly beneficial. So there is a very positive aspect to this as well, you know. And another question I, I regularly get asked is, you know, AI is going to eliminate um, jobs for people. Yeah, right? journalists and, and course, radio presenters and, you know, people like that. I mean, I... I mean, it, it's certainly going to eliminate jobs. And, you know, I often say if you look back at back at the 1920s, an awful lot of the jobs that were there then are now gone because people have evolved and they've moved into different roles. But I, I believe that, you know, it, it will certainly eliminate um, mundane and routine type tasks that can be uh, automated. But it will also create a huge opportunity for people to work around this because AI doesn't completely replace people. It rather augments people like you just described, PJ, with this with surgeons. You just need a good surgeon to be able to take the output from the AI to c- conduct the, 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 the cancer research or the brain surgery or whatever it might be. But we're seeing so many jobs being created by artificial intelligence yeah. in, in, in my companies where we're hiring people. We, can't, we actually can't get enough people who we need to in, 
enact and work with the artificial intelligence which we build. Mm. So it's, um, I mean, it's going to present massive opportunities for people in terms of careers as well. One last worrying one, Ronan, in terms of our passwords, and we're all guilty of it to some extent. We, we rely on familiar passwords. AI yeah. can suss out every password you've ever used if you use the wrong ones too many times. Yeah, I can. I mean, it, that's not just AI, right? There's other tools that can do that as well. Um, passwords are a nightmare. I mean, every I've never met a human being that doesn't hate passwords, right? Because you just can't remember them. And um, but there's there's other techniques that you can use in conjunction with passwords, such as two-factor authentication and so forth. Um, and you can use uh, vaults for storing different complex passwords. You can choose your device to pick a password and then you can store that into a, a password keeper as an app on your phone which keeps mm. it encrypted so there's different ways of managing passwords i mean but it is painful there's no two ways about that and if anyone ever has anything of value i mean you know they, they need to protect it using passwords and it's just it's one of these things in life that uh we just have to we have to roll with yeah okay ronan thank you as always ronan murphy of smart tech 247 ai is the future we just need to be very careful of it. There's a great episode. Remind me to come back. I'm going to write this down on my piece of paper because if I don't, I'll forget it. There's a Star Trek. I know, I know. Bear with me. There's a fantastic AI storyline to Star Trek Picard, which I'll give you before we finish today. It's it's great. But back to SUVs. Orla, I knew you'd be on. Morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good, 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 good. <laughs> Taxing you because you need this car for Michael. No thanks, Ivana. Yeah, well, I don't pay tax anyway because I'm exempt because my my uh, bus is adopted. Yeah. So I get exempt. But even if, like, it just boils my blood that that lady said the people that can afford it should... Like, there are people out there that don't have a choice. This is Deirdre. Uh, yeah. yeah. She's like, tax the... Pe- yeah, fair enough, tax the people that can afford to be taxed. But don't judge everyone by the same cover. Because there are people out there that need big vehicles, like mine, that don't have them exempt. Yeah. And don't have them adapted. Like, I just... I just could not agree with that lady on the phone. Yeah. Yeah, because... <sighs> You look at the you look at the vehicle and you look at the the woman driving the it and, and the yeah. reg and when you oh yeah tax them now because they how dare they own a nice big car let's tax yeah. them and there's people out there that do not have a choice like I know of six families offhand that have the exact same vehicle as me that are exempt they have they either have big families with a wheelchair user or they have um, a complex kid like mine like Michael, that needs the space to put the equipment and the dog, the service dog, yeah. in the vehicle. Yeah, we can't be... T- and, and by putting a, a block tax across bigger vehicles, which is what Ivana Batchik seems to want to do, mm. you would be clamping down on the families that can least afford it because many of them are struggling to, to get by on disability payments. Orla, thank you. My best to... To Superman, oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Have you heard anything about a load of new visitors arriving in Cloyne? It's the talk of the town. I haven't. You're the first one to bring it to my attention, but thank you. And by the sounds of your message, you don't mean a bunch of yanks off a cruise liner. You mean somebody else 
We'll, we'll watch that one with interest. One would hope that we won't have an unpleasant situation develop like has developed up in County Clare. One would really hope that we won't be here on Monday morning talking about something like that. But thanks for that message of uh, new arrivals in Cloyne. Couple of more corporate speak that drive you demented. Work smarter, not harder. We need to manage the optics of this. That actually means we've made a complete balls of it. It's going to be in the papers. So how are we going to look better? KPI. I always thought that was sort of a new flavour of peanuts or something. KPI. No, key performance indicators. Like, I'm sorry. Or give 110%. Now, I did maths with Bornsey in Creech Tree. And I did honours maths with Bornsey in Creech Tree. And I got honours in Bornsey's class in Creech Tree. And I even had a grind from the great film again along the way to help me. And every single one of them, not one of them, told me I could get 110% out of anything. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Coogan's 96FM. Right, I have asked to do this one at this time. We don't normally do requests on the programme, but every so often we do... Lily Sue Maloney and all the fourth years from the Cloyster Irish School in Denmire, they put on a great end of year show last night at the Firkin Crane. Well done to them. Uh, lots of love there from Uncle Pat. Happy to do that. 0818 96 96 96. The number text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. Send your email opinion at 96fm.ie. Going to reopen another can of worms in just a couple of minutes, and that's being Sheehan. We'll be here on, was it last Friday or Monday? I don't know what day it was now. But we were talking to Suzanne Harrington, who'd written about Sheehan, and she'd written about the opening of the pop-up shop downtown, which is now closed again, and she'd written about them, uh, Simon Coveney, cutting a tape on a new Sheehan office in Ireland. And Suzanne makes no bones about it when I was talking to her. She'd like to see them, and others like them, run out of the high street, run out of Ireland, because of the whole fast fashion thing. I'm going to come back to that, because we got calls on the back of that from people who said hold on a minute here now I buy Sheehan because and they had dot 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 many reasons why they buy Sheehan stuff and the other day just going out into the street looking at young women and young men because they do men's stuff too up and down the streets of Cork how many of them are wearing Sheehan Uh, probably hundreds of them if not thousands I will come back to that but a few more things to get done I want to find out which is the corporate phrase we hate the most in Cork there's a few of them have come in uh, taking ownership putting super in front of everything people speaking in an American accent with an up at the end of every sentence that drives me crazy the vocal fry the Kardashian speak that, that, that grinds my gears every single gear but it's the words we use. Touching base. Uh, mission statements. 
KPIs, staying on message, think outside the box, win-win. I'll ping you. It's on my radar. Synergy. Raise the bar. That's another real sort of... And a paradigm shift. Now, a paradigm shift. Do you even know what that is? That sounds like a part of an engine, doesn't it? A paradigm shift. Yeah. I'm giving a hundred. And circle back. Circle back. Circle back by COB. And we'll touch base. Go way out of that. Don't be annoying me. What's the one that we really hate the most? Let's try and find it by, by quitting time today. 0818 96 96 96. I will come back to SUVs. There's lots of it in there. Costs too. If you're going out this weekend for a drink, stay out. Stay out of Temple Bar. Now, if you're going to Dublin, stay out of Temple Bar. And I don't, I'm, I don't care how much the tourist industry might hate me. Stay out of Temple Bar. There's a receipt here in front of me uh, from a pub in the Temple Bar. And we can stand over this receipt because we know who sent it to us. Two bottles of Corona. Two bottles of Corona. It's only a bottle now. Right? And it, it doesn't have gold leaf in it. Two bottles of Corona beer, not virus, beer. 1440. 1440. Right? 7.20 a bottle. You can buy 12 of them in the supermarket in a box for about 20 quid. And two pints of harp. Oh, harp. My God, I remember. Oh, God, I remember my dad buying me a pint of harp. I think he was trying to put me off drink in the early days when I was having a drink. Uh, 8.20. 8.20 for a pint of harp. Uh, and then, has anyone noticed the cost of deodorant, um, underarm, smellies stuff? Like, it's nearly a tenner now for Dove in, in Tesco or anywhere like that. And someone else was on who said, yeah, Andrew, Andrew bought a can of Lynx in the Rochestown Auto Centre. Is that the garage down there? The big garage, the centre. He bought a can of Lynx for four quid down there. Then he was in Dunn's. And the same can was nine quid. Now, how can a major multiple be almost double the price of a small local business? True, 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 true. All right, 0818 96 96 96. Coming back to that, Sheehan. Uh, they had the pop-up shop in Cork. There was queues from four o'clock in the morning. People waiting for hours to get in to buy stuff inside. It's closed now. It was only a pop-up shop for a few days. Susan Harrington wrote about it in The Examiner about how not only should the shop not be there but Sheehan should be run out of the country. Uh, She also said places like Penny's should be run out of the high street all over the whole fast fashion industry and particularly with regard to Sheehan its work practices and the way it pays its workers or rather doesn't pay them very well at all. Uh, We got responses to it. People who kind of agreed with Suzanne but kind of realised hang on I'm dressing three young ones or I'm buying for communions and confirmations or I'm doing this and I'm doing that and they're great for me and I'm spending it on my money there rather than anywhere. Thank you very much. Katie Sloan got in touch uh, from Peach Vintage Clothing. So Katie is actually in the rag trade. We've talked before, myself and Katie. With a, with a, just wanted to make a few observations on on Sheehan and and the whole idea that they should be run out of town rather than welcomed in here. 
Katie, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. Yeah, and I do agree with the caller the other day that it's very disappointing that they're here. But whereas I'm totally against fast fashion, there has to be a little bit of give and take. You're, you're um, saying I'm it's better that they're actually here rather than flying plane loads of stuff over from China? Yeah, yeah. Well, better for the environment. Not not good for the environment, but better than than having people buy packages online. You're You're creating jobs here on the ground for people. I've tried to be a glass half full person when it comes to fast fashion. Among the calls we took the other day were people observing, look, the very generation that is most environmentally aware is the very generation queuing up at four o'clock in the morning to get into Sheehan and is the very generation that is buying online from Sheehan. It is an interesting contrast, but it's not fact. You were talking about crows yesterday and um, the person said, you know, you can't tear all the crows with the same brush just as one person. So it's the same with teenagers. I think I do um, a monthly market in UCC and they've really cottoned on to the idea of the swapping of clothes and sharing of items. Mm. They're still buying fast fashion, but you can't tear all the the young people with the same brush. Mm. That's how I look at it. The ethical issues, if you want, Katie, Mm. of the, the conditions in which some of these workers work uh, that make the yeah. clothes to be sold at half nothing through Sheehan. That yes. came up the other day as well. We look at an yeah. Eastern situation with Western eyes. Um, I also, like you, have been to India and I suppose seen, seen the side of fast fashion industry, which would, it would blow your mind and not in a good way. So I yeah. suppose we're very privileged here in a country where we can buy these clothes for really, really cheap from people that look. I mean, I, I do a lot of research and I watch a lot of documentaries on fast fashion. And one recently that I watched on Channel 4 it was based on the Sheen machine, it's called. And it would it would frighten you, really, the information that's given there. People are they, they need to turn over 100 garments a day in order to get their wages at the end of the month. And their first month of wages is held back. And these are mostly women that are making these clothes. And if you take, for example, I said this to to friends at the weekend. If you went back 10 years ago and you put on something from pennies or sheen, even duns, for example, you know, anything that's made quickly, a lot of the items that you'd put on wouldn't fit great or they'd be crappy material or and they and they'd be, you know, they'd, they'd be just you'd buy another one just because the first one didn't fit. Now, the tailoring of those clothes is so good. Like I make clothes here myself and like the tailoring and the stitching from the likes of Sheen is excellent. It's mm-hmm. of a, such a high class and they're getting paid less than 70 cents a day. Yeah. So if you put that into context, you know. Yes. Yeah. And then the argument, though, is made looking at it with Western eyes. Privileged yeah, Western yeah. eyes, if you want to use We're, that word. Yes, yeah. If you shut down uh, their factory, where yeah. did they get their 70 cents? Yeah. And again, goes going back to my first point, PJ, we can't just say, OK, close down all the factories and everyone stop buying fast fashion because that's not how the world works. We just need to slow down our intake of cheap clothing. If you can buy a dress for seven euro and it's been shipped from another country, Think of the amount of work that goes into that one piece and they're being made 
by one person, a hundred of those per day, mm. and they might have to feed families. And also ethically, be so mindful. If your 14 or 15 year old teenagers are buying clothes like this, just let them know that the people that are making those clothes for you, for your teenagers, are probably younger than the teenagers mm. that are wearing them. Do they care? So just, uh, well, this is why I'm why I want to make this call, PJ, to urge people to just think before you buy. And you know, I'm not telling everybody on that's listening to you today to stop fast fashion because yeah. that's not going to happen. Yeah. I'm just going I'm just saying slow down your fashion intake and be mindful of the human beings behind the garment. Yeah. That's so, so important. There's a thing, you know, men and women, and I've heard this over the last few days mm. on various programmes discussing Sheehan and discussing fast yeah. fashion. And my wife would tell you, yeah. I'll buy something today and I will yeah. wear it until it rots off my back. Yeah, yeah. Now, particularly if yeah. I had something I really like. Men are different to yeah. women. Women wear men something. Men are different, yeah. Men, women yeah. will wear something once and they can't, oh, they would die a death if they're seen in public yeah. in it again. Is that is that food for the fast fashion industry? Oh, oh completely, and the social media um, world as well. You know, the like it, it, it makes me sad sometimes when I see um, women my age doing Sheen try-ons and tree and Sheen hauls and pennies hauls. Uh, you know, grown-up women who have been educated in a in a in a, in, in a country like ours. You know that we shouldn't have to make ourselves need to buy shiny things in order to make ourselves feel good or make or get the acknowledgement from people on the other end of a phone. Again, I'm not saying, and because I don't want to berate people for what they do, because mm. that's not why I'm here. I would consider that if you are having to go down the route of doing all these sheen hauls and all these whatever hauls that you do for fat buying fast fashion, consider where the item goes after you've used it once all those pieces go into landfill because they're so cheap in the first place that nobody wants to pay the same price in a charity shop as they would if they were to buy it brand new. It doesn't make sense for the consumer. One of the reasons that you're so interested in this is you're in the the rag trade yourself. Yes. And you're trying to encourage people to use Mm -hmm. secondhand clothes and to reuse their own clothes is that a battle you can win rather than have people go online and click, click, click and here's a package from Shein? It's really important to talk to people like yourself, PJ, because it's such a massive platform. Um, I have a platform on social media, but I'm only, I, I feel like I'm, I'm always talking to the converted. Um, and there's a beautiful community on Peach Vintage and it's lovely and it's really encouraging But uh, that people will say, yes, you're saying the right thing, Katie. But I, I need, and people like me that do jobs like mine, need to get out to the, the greater masses and talk to the people that don't understand, you know, how to reuse your clothes or how to do clothes swaps or how to resell your clothes like people like myself. There's a whole market there. Absolutely. And there's there's so many garments being made on a daily basis. Like again, harping on about Sheen, one person to make 100 garments per day. I think the message you wanted to get across here, think before you buy. Absolutely. You can't stop people buying, but think before you buy. 
No, you can't stop people doing what they want to do. And I would never do that. But just to encourage each other to just be mindful about there is a human being behind the clothing you're wearing. Mm -hmm. They're not making very much money and they're not being treated very well. No, no, no. Katie, good talking to you again. Oh, thank you so much for your time, PJ. Cheers. Katie Stone, Peach Vintage Clothing, just asking us to think a little bit about purchasing from places like Shein. She knows it's going to continue. You're never going to stop it. But when you take, for example, uh, and every second young woman and young man you meet nowadays is wearing these jog pants. They've become kind of the jeans of 2023. Everybody's wearing them. Uh, They get them from Shein for, what, 11 or 12 quid and they get a packet of four of them for 30 quid in different colours. And they're lovely. Just think of the young person who made those four items and put them into a bag. They're probably younger than the person who's wearing them in the street today. And they had to make a hundred of them, hundred of them in the day to, to get their day's wages. That's, that's what, what Katie is asking us to think of. 0818 96 96 96. Can I just wish the best of luck to somebody? Uh, if you're headed for, Cabo Roy or Lazenia or that general region on your holidays and particularly if you're down on the Cabo Roy Strip which is hugely popular with Cork. I was there in 2019 myself for a holiday and it was like walking down Patrick Street with sunshine sometimes. Down the Strip on Cabo Roy, the great Mark Cosgrove is starting or has started a residency at O'Reardon's Bar and he's a fabulous entertainer. Can turn his hand to pretty much any song any pop song for the last God knows how long. And he started a residency on the strip in Cabo Roy at O'Reardon's five nights a week. Pop down, uh, have a listen to him, say hello, tell him that I said best of luck. Um, I'm not going there this year. If I'd only known he was going to be there, I might have. Uh, so good luck to Mark. The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon Supporting Cork Cancer Services May 25th to 27th May 25th to 27th You make me feel You can host a coffee break Fill a change collector box Or support your favourite sport on Jersey Day And we're always open to fun new ways to fundraise So get planning now Get planning now The Giving for Living Radiothon Supporting Cork Cancer Services May 25th to 27th You make You make me feel only on Cork's 96FM. <laughs> yeah, we, we read that, that text before we finish. It's the best text of the day, the best text of the week. It'll leave you with a laugh. If you're of a certain age and remember a certain television commercial, that's all I'll tell you for now. On Sheehan, uh, hey PJ, just listening to you there, I have clothes in my wardrobe that are older than my kids. My eldest is 10. I'm currently wearing a dress I bought 14 years ago. I wear clothes till I can't anymore. Then I use them as polishing rags for my housework. I'm 38. I never grew up with brand new clothes unless it was Easter, Christmas, summer holidays or my birthday. I had hand-me-downs from my aunts. Yeah, I have... We have this discussion every year when we're going on holidays. I have shorts and T-shirts that are years old and they get snuck into the suitcase and herself and then that, that bloody thing is staying. It's ancient. I love it. I love it. Same with every other item I have. But anyway, yeah, thanks. On young people income, my granddaughter is looking for work. Her buddy said she got a job in a brand name clothes shop. Because they're only 18, the pay is €7 an hour. They're only 21. They're not covered by minimum wage. 
Same with lots of smaller shops and coffee shops. They're looking for young people and not paying the minimum wage. Yeah, I don't think minimum wage applies if you're under 21. Certainly not if you're under 18. But I'm not too sure if it's under 21. Thank you. 0818969696. Right, some correspondence to clear. You may have heard that breaking story. If you haven't, the terrible bullying attack in County Meath where that young lad received serious facial injuries. Well, Gardaí have decreed that to be a hate crime, which was good. Now, I think three young lads have been arrested this morning in County Meath in relation to that attack. It looks like there may well be more arrests and Gardaí have now identified pretty much everyone involved in that sickening video. We played you some clips from it yesterday. I'm not going to play it again. Um, And then we had... Rebecca's story about uh, this chap that she knows very well who was bullied at school. She sent us copies of the video, appalling behaviour towards this young lad. And then we had other people ringing us with other incidents. And pages, I just need to clear this up. I get minister to chain to, to clear this. I think there's way too much time given to the perpetrators in these situations, says Michael. They could, they should, and maybe they will be dealt with by the justice system. Well, they will be in this case now, hopefully. I'm more interested in the poor boy that was beaten. I hope that word gets out to him that he is supported and he's in most of our thoughts. I was bullied as a member of staff in a school 16 years ago. First, I was bullied by a co-worker. Reported to the principal, nothing was done. Then I was bullied by students of the school in my home. The students doing the bullying were the the children of parents who were teachers in the school. I reported it again. In fact, it was one of the principal's children was doing the bullying. And it was just made out to be my fault. I finally left the job after 21 years. My grandmother, sorry, my grandfather. Sorry, try it again. My granddaughter, third time lucky PJ. My granddaughter has been bullied for the past few years by boys in a school outside the city. It was brought to the school's attention. The girls had screenshots of disgusting messages on Snapchat. The boys only had to apologise. That was their only punishment. Then two months later, one of the boys took a picture of the principal and posted her picture online, called her a horrible name. He got a three-day suspension. So he came back, he was only laughing. Yeah, it's pages of the morning page. I was bullied when I was 14 in the schoolyard every day. There were two brothers and their friend bullied me every single day. Many years later, I still remember it vividly and I still remember their names. They roughed me about and knocked me to the ground every time. School bullying policy isn't worth the paper it's written on, says this one. My daughter has additional needs. Because of bullying, couldn't go outside the door for three months or more. The impact it had on her was heartbreaking. I followed all of the protocols, but nothing changed. So I took it to the parents' WhatsApp group, and that sorted it out. It mightn't have been the correct way to go, but I had no option. I was lost. This from the UK. Uh, My son was involved in a similar thing in school. A group decided to set boys up against each other and tell them they had to fight and then film the fights. My son was called over by another boy in school, then the boy started punching him to the face. A circle surrounded them and one of the boys 
filmed what happened. The boys were, who were made to fight were foreign boys. My son, an English lad. The point you're making about this hate starting at home could not be more true. I made the point, and I stand by this with every fibre of my being, and as someone who was bullied myself, a bully isn't born, a bully is made. I stand over that. My son, on his first day in secondary school, introduced himself to one of the other boys and was told, I don't like the English. A boy of 12 has decided he doesn't like a whole nation of people. So that's only a result of what's being fed into his young mind. And there were pages and pages and pages of them. Um, I could be here till 3 o'clock going through everything. The school in question that Rebecca was on about, if the school doesn't issue a statement, then you should name the school. Parents have a right to know what they're trying to bury. It's a disgrace, says Kevin. It is, Kevin. We have the school. We have the video. We know the school. We can see the uniform. Uh, can't name the school. I agree with you. We should be able to name the school. There's a number of reasons why we can't. One, we've been asked not to by the family concerned. And also, if we were to name the school, even though we can identify them through their uniform, trust me, the solicitors would have a field day. So they would. 0818 96 96 96. Now, to something entirely different. Ashling, uh, unfortunate adventure uh, on your way into town. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, I had uh, a nasty experience there. It was on Castle Street there. Um, I was walking along, heading into Patrick Street. Um, needed to pick up something for my daughter's communion. And um, before I knew it, I slipped and I was down on the pavement. Um, my first thought was, is had I slipped on a banana skin? Um not sure if I've said it or not, but I'm actually visually impaired and I had my guide dog with me at the time. And uh, my first thought was, is, oh, I'm after slipping on a banana skin or a white bag that's kind of wet. Um, but then as I kind of fell, I got this desperate smell. And it was then I realized that it was actually on dog poo that I was after falling onto. So got up. And there was um, a couple that were actually walking on the pavement beside me. And I had to ask one of these, the, the lady, um, would she be able to clean me? So I was luckily enough, I had wipes in my bag and she cleaned me off. And she said that she'd done the best that she could. Mm. Was it all over your clothes? All down my, the back of me, my, my legs, my down around the bottom of my back area, my jacket, pants, everywhere. You fell right into it. Good. Yeah, and it just, it just maddens me um, that people, that they just cannot pick up their dog poo because this is not the first time. Like, never had, like kind of fallen onto the pavement before, but I have kind of slided. And before this, I've been lucky enough to maybe grab onto the wall or grab onto something. But... Um, it just, it's really making my blood boil now at this stage. I don't know what it's going to do to take to get people just to have a bag or just to pick it up. Yeah. You went into Tesco and they helped you inside there, Tesco and Paul Street, did they? They did, yeah. I had to go in and try to clean myself and 
um, put on, the, get different clothes and stuff and trying to come home then after it because just the shock of then, the fright of their fall, I was um, very kind of, you know, I don't know, just wasn't right then for the rest of the morning. Yeah, you'd be shook, like you'd be after again. Yeah. Like, moreover, when you're visually impaired. Yeah, but it's very, une- I know it's very, it, it can be unexpected, a fall for anybody, but when you can't kind of see then as well, it's just a double kind of unexpected thing, you know. Mm. And you say this has happened to you before. Yeah, on Blarney Street. Blarney Street is very bad for dog poo. It's um, there be a lot of dogs walked on Blarney Street because I would walk Blarney Street um nearly every day once I d- dropped my daughter to school. We would walk in, and I'd often come home. And I'd always have to leave my shoes at the front door, and I'd have to get someone to clean them if not every night, maybe every second night because I would have stood in poo going down Blarney Street. That's bad. Are you all right? You're battered and bruised. Is that about it? Um, a sore wrist and a sore knee, and I wouldn't mind, but I only just had a serious operation a few weeks ago. So, like, a fall and a bang like this wouldn't have helped uh, with the type of operation that I had. Mm. But look, I'll I'll get over it. Good, good. You'll have to go back to Penny's to get that thing for your daughter. Oh, yeah, yeah, hopefully we'll get it now with the communion is Saturday. Oh, God. Cutting it fine. Yeah. Look after yourself and, and have a good communion day when it comes around. Okay, thanks, PJ. Thanks for all your help. Uh, Ashley, you're welcome. Thanks. Oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. We got a statement back from Air Coach. If you recall, Karen from earlier on this morning, Karen missed the first day of her holidays because she was on the Air Coach from Cork to Dublin and the Air Coach broke down. They were all on the side of the road. The bus driver wasn't communicating much with the passengers and they ended up trying to rent a minibus. They were trying to deal with customer service. The first time they called customer service, they were told there'd be another bus out to them. Then that other bus never came. Customer service indicates to them, well, you're kind of on your own here um, and do whatever you need to do and we'll reimburse you. And Karen was just a bit taken aback by all of that um, you'll have heard her earlier on and we will podcast the interview later but we got a, res- a response in from Air Coach just in the last few minutes and it reads the 2pm Air Coach service on May 17th from Cork to Dublin via Dublin City via- to the airport broke down just outside Mitchellstown unfortunately no alternative coach was immediately available and despite Aircoach's efforts to source a coach from alternative providers, none was available. Aircoach and the coach driver contacted nearby taxi companies, but at the same time a passenger on board found a company that had a 16-seat vehicle available. Customer service engaged with passengers and arranged for the people with earlier flights to take priority in the 16-seat vehicle. Each passenger paid €25 for the taxi. That will be fully reimbursed by Aircoach. The remaining passengers joined the next service from Cork, which went straight to the airport, bypassing the regular city centre stop in Dublin. Those passengers arrived at the airport at 7.06, 90 minutes later than their scheduled time. Aircoach apologises unreservedly for the inconvenience caused It advises any affected passengers to contact their customer service team 
with their air coach tickets details and they will receive a full refund and that issued to us this morning on behalf of air coach 0818969696 the uh, the phrases we hate life goes on if i hear it once more says bernie or the one that grinds my gears says tom at this point in time why not just say now i know or i also hate asap asap as soon well, as soon as possible no it's asap he hates would be can we find out no asia Meeting in the war room, says <laughs> Justin. I know, yeah. Meeting in the war room. As per my last email, drives me mad, says Ryan. Well, what drives me mad more than that, Ryan, is when they just shorten it to as per. As per. Or people saying, this is a good one from Owen. Owen's been thinking through his use of the English language. This is good. Uh, people say revert. They do, yeah. Can you please revert by close of business? Yeah, Revert. They think it's a fancy way to say reply. They don't realise that's not what it is at all. Revert does not mean reply. Revert means change back to a previous state. Like ice reverts to water when it's heated. The misuse of the word started in India, according to Owen, and spread over email and is now widespread. I like that. 0818 96 96 96. Still looking for the one that annoys you most. Certainly the one that was brought up by a listener this morning is this putting super at the start of everything. He's sitting in a, a meeting, you know, a, a work meeting. And the boss is there going, I'm super excited about this. Like, are you six? I'm excited about this. It's good news. We're very happy with this news. I'm super excited. Give over. That's the trailer from the Debenhams film, 406 Days. Not only has it won three awards already, but it goes into cinemas uh, next week, which I don't think a lot of people ever expected. Come back to it next. Here's another clip from that movie with a, a familiar voice, I would suggest. Valerie Conlon, opening in cinemas around the country next weekend. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Isn't it unreal? <laughs> Did you ever think when I was going down to you every 50 or 20 or 30 or 40 days talking about this, that you would now be opening in a movie in cinemas and have won three awards, Best Irish Documentary, Human Rights Film Award, Festival Audience Award, the Dublin International Festival, and Festival Season Only Beginning? Yeah. I know, like, and how could we ever thought that something like this would happen? Not in my, the, the book came first, and then this, like, it's just, it's surreal, really. We can't believe it. Mm. You know, we actually can't believe it. But it's great to get the story out there. Yeah, yeah. It's 90 minutes. It's, it's quite long. I've only seen bits of it. I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it from start to finish yet. Um, but it's, it's very intense. Yeah, there's parts of it very intense, like the time that they were taking the stock out of um, Henry Street. And then the Limerick part actually is very, very good as well. So there, there is some parts with that you kind of would be sitting at the edge of your seat on. Yeah, there, were, there, there are, you, you come to the realisation that here in Cork, some, there wasn't as much confrontation here in Cork. We, I think we were very, very lucky down here. Number one, with our security, not that they, like, they didn't give us much. They gave us no information. 
But I suppose we were kind of good to them and they were, they were okay with us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and as well as that, the guards down here, they were excellent. Yeah, they yeah. really were. The way they treated us, they gave us advice. Yeah. Uh, they were brilliant to us, really. Even when we'd done our locking, yeah. like I had a guard ringing me at night time. Seeing that I was okay. That, that's you fantastic. Know? Do you think yeah. that the film and and what you did will inspire others to stand up for themselves, especially women, Valerie? Because there was a huge female workforce in Devons. I really hope it does. I really, and that's why I suppose I am encouraging everybody to go to see it. But not only that, I like we. I emailed a few of the secondary schools for transition year and fifth year. I think it's important for them to go and see it. Yeah. Uh, just as show that yes if we stand up for ourselves people might listen to us because they're not learning an awful lot about unions in school they're not learning an awful lot about strike and i think like we need to be more like the french and stand up for ourselves you know and i think it's important if the schools did go to see it yeah hopefully they will i mean i think it would be ideal as a transition year outing to bring bring children bring, bring transition year kids to see it Exactly, exactly. So it opens nationwide on the 26th of May in cinemas all around the country. Who knows, it'll make it to television eventually and there will be more awards, I'm almost certain of it. Valerie, as always, it's been a pleasure to speak with you and this is a superb piece of work and for the part you and everyone else uh, played in it, well done. Thanks very much and thank you. Cheers, there you go. I'm looking for, so forward to sitting down and watching that from start to finish. All I've ever really seen is is clips. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.